Welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and fresh from Philly, Howard Tybal. I ate too much. Well, of course you did. That's why we did this thing. That's There's why Tybal Inc. There, participates. Uh, right near the hotel. So I'm talking to one of the guys in the hotel, and he, he says, yeah, it's it seats a 1,000 people. I'm like, what are you talking about, seats a 1,000 people? Well, it's, this, it's the market that you walk through, and it's every conceivable kind of food uh, where you can buy things right from the counter or you can sit in little restaurants, and uh, it's right on Market Street. Amazing. It was amazing. Philly knows food, yeah. right? That's the that's the thing. You know what else they know? We So they, they had this. This was probably a, 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 the best location that they could have the uh, Ikubo annual meeting this year. Uh, and we uh, had a chance once again uh, to do a series of podcasts live from the Cheers Lounge. And uh, gathered with uh, the the regional presidents from, uh, with with the exception of the one regional president you guys managed to lose on the streets somewhere. <laughs> uh, everybody else managed. I to wasn't make it. there. I would have. Ha- I would have been holding his hand. <laughs> I would have I, or shoulder. I would have like, hey, walk with me. I don't know what happened. It's still an open question. It is an open question. I wonder if he's been found uh, to this day. I, we, he's been found. We did. Uh, we did another conversation with Greg Goldman, a, a board chair of Nakubo, and and Dave Button, former uh, president of the board of Cal. Uh, so a couple of great conversations, and my favorite part about it are the pictures that our uh, dear colleague Gail Gregory managed to take of you guys actually podcasting uh, in the Cheers Lounge. Uh, that was great. It was it was awesome, yeah. and I was I'll tell you the the conversation with the with Dave Button from uh, the University of Regina was fantastic. Yeah, because what it shows us in many ways is that. You know, we've got so many multiple kinds of silos. We've got silos within our area. We've got silos within our departments and divisions. And then we've got silos between our schools. And then there's this whole other conversation, which is how are other countries doing this? And, and talk about lessons learned from, from other countries. So what's exciting is next year's uh, conference is going to be, or this summer's conference, Nakubos, is going to be in Montreal. And so we're going to get the benefit of of being in that country and learning from more uh, Canadian colleges and universities about how they're navigating change. You know, it's fascinating. The biggest lesson for me was just how similar the challenges are in Canada. I mean, I I was operating under assumption that they have a completely different, uh, you know, given how public they are and and the access to education. But, but, uh, you know, what we learned from Dave was fantastic uh, in that um, it just shines a whole new light on this awareness that they are dealing with very, very similar financial challenges. And here's what I can tell you, too, because it just came back from a workshop that I did in uh, in, in another city. I went from there to another city and did, did a conference with uh, Unimarket. And then when people reflect at the end of whatever learning they have, they what I find nine times out of ten is one of the things they deeply appreciate is the fact that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... It always surprises me, and it shouldn't, that that what people need to be reminded is some of the challenges that they're facing are things that their peers are facing. But because we don't really have the time or make the time to talk as much with our peers about their challenges, we don't realize that on some level what we're dealing with is normal. And, and that in itself is something that people value knowing is that they're not so much an outlier, but they were all dealing with it. And, mm-hmm. and, and what a difference that makes to learn when you do feel like you're an outlier, that maybe this is a pretty common set of themes of challenges 
we have across the whole industry. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a, a fantastic awareness. We are not islands, and that's that that gives a certain amount of peace uh, in our, in our right. own struggles. You, you did two things at Ikubo before we get too far out from that particular event. Uh, two things at Ikubo, one with the Ikubo board, uh, a facilitation workshop and facilitating strategic conversations with the good and kind Lynn Schaefer. Uh, and, uh, but you were going to talk a little bit about these, uh, experiences and share some of your lessons learned and key points, uh, from these sessions. What'd you get out of doing these presentations again? Well, you know, what's interesting is the more that, you know, you and I have these conversations and the more we're out there doing this work, we're working with teams, it becomes more evident to me that we can come up with different distinctions and different ways of looking at the problem. But in many ways, there's such value in being reminded of very simple distinctions. And one very simple distinction that both Lynn and I talked about with CFOs, or the chief business officers. And what we talked about with the volunteer leadership uh, of the board of Ikubo is the question of how do we engage the people that we are trying to bring in to be part of our solution? You know, so if you're a business officer and you need to do some work around understanding more about the academic programs that are offered at your university and college and thinking about how can we innovate you may have a stake in the game here. You're aware of the financial impact of those of those programs that are doing great and good and poor, but there's no way you're going to affect change without actively engaging faculty. And that means going in and not having an answer, but going in and be more interested in questions and getting their point of view. And and what people walk away with that I just want to keep reminding people about, and I think it's good to hear it again, especially in this podcast, is go in less with an answer or what you need and go in more with, so tell me what what is going on in your world. Tell me what some of your challenges are and build trust and relationship that way. And then see if you can tie your needs to what it is that you're hearing their needs are. That's how you get engagement, and that's how you get people to be interested in genuinely coming over and saying, all right, I'm willing to let you help me. I would submit that's difficult not just for CBOs, but for uh, deans, provosts, board members, uh, you know, any leaders of their own departments. When they are, when they need to establish a relationship of dialogue, it's difficult to to come at it from a, a place of openness, as you described there. Well, that's it's fascinating that you say it that way because we're not open, and because we're a ta- we have something that we need to get done, and therefore, in a very simple example, and this ties back to helping board members be facilitators of conversation. If you think about yourself, let's say that you're running a group and you want to have a strategic conversation. And let's say that you're either the president or you're the chief business officer or that you're the provost or you're a dean or whatever your leadership role is. You, you're going to go into these meetings to try and facilitate with openness. At the same time, you've got a stake in the game. So it's very hard if you have a stake to lead with uh, objectivity because yeah. the second somebody opens their mouth about 
what this is the direction I want to go. If this is contrary to where you want to go, since you're the facilitator, you can redirect the direction, the conversation to the way you want it to go. And when people notice that from a, a facilitated experience, they close down. What what we what we need to be willing to do is let go of our position. And you're right, we don't often go in to meetings and conversations and task force and strategic planning with an open mind. We go in with a point of view about what we want to see happen. And I think at the core of our work is helping people reflect on stepping back from that. It's almost like we need a new metaphor, right? I mean, we, because I think too many times we go in thinking, and, and you know, in, in some respects, you just said it, you know, we have a stake in the game. If we think of it like a game, then we're going in with an initiative to move the ball down the field in some way, yeah. shape, or form, and an expectation that whoever we're talking to is going to try to move the ball the same, you know, in the opposite direction. Yeah. And, and you know, that metaphor does not necessarily serve a, an open dialogue of, of change. It serves a, a competition that our initiatives are those that must be won or lost. I, I told the last group I was with, we don't have to be serious to have a serious conversation. Mm. And what's interesting for me about our tone in these conversations is we need to have a little more fun in our work. And it's for some of us, it's like, no, I don't need more fun. I need the group to make a decision or I need to make sure that we're balancing the budget or, or that the group decides what we're going to invest in. And I don't care about the style or approach of how I bring this. But I'm telling you, the second things become serious, we lose the capacity, I think, to get in there with people in a way – where they where they desire to be part of the conversation. You and I both, you know, when you and I are together and we're having fun, we can get a lot done. Mm -hmm. And being light about it, I think, only adds to the the feeling like, you know what, I want to do this again. Um, so so getting out of thinking about this work as a burden, I think we take this stuff way too seriously, and. It's, it's serious in the sense of there's important things for us to do, but we need to do it from a space of, you know, I've been talking more, Pete, about uh, three qualities I want to see more in myself and others, skepticism, optimism, and curiosity. Mm -hmm. And what I'm talking about is this level of optimism and curiosity about entering conversations and, you know, from a spirit of openness and goes a long way. So the, uh, the the two conferences you did, the, the first one, I think there's a really interesting point I'd like you to reflect on for folks now that they've had a chance. It, it, for those who were able to see your presentation live and, and for those who haven't, it's this idea about getting people to approach, getting volunteer leadership to approach um, uh, an initiative with resolve and intent to support. And, you know, how do you get these volunteers to come with that spirit uh, to with the intent to support your initiative? initiative and, and get them participating. And that was the, the first thing that you did. And I think, uh, you know, how uh, can you reflect a little bit on that? Yeah. So what was great about that was I looked out in the room and the board members of Ikubo, you have to th you think about it this way. If you're going to be a board, if you're going to be a volunteer board member on top of your day job, you have already demonstrated an openness and willingness to give back. So we're dealing with, I was dealing with people uh, in this workshop that are already enthusiastic 
and open to the idea of wanting to find better ways of engaging people. What we're, what we're trying to do in many ways is undo behavior. What right? do you mean by that? So if, you, if you've been doing your work long enough, if you've been doing your, your work at your particular institution long enough, you get stuck in how things are supposed to be. And if you're working, if, if your job, if, you, if your view of yourself as, as a leader is to be the person up front with the answers, then you're going to have a hard time being in front of a group and being willing to say, you know, I don't know the answer to this. We had a, a really interesting conversation about as a board member, I mean, as a, as a business officer, how do we stand in front of people like a board and say, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. And mm-hmm. we got a, you know, they were very adamant that you can't say, I don't know to your board too many times and you'll lose credibility. But in many ways, what we have to do is undo this behavior of what it means that we're a leader. And a leader, in many ways, for me, is about influence. It's about how do I influence behavior in the other, as opposed to I got to come in with the answers and I got to tell people what to do. I'm trying to turn that on its head. And we've all met and know leaders that have a way of engaging folks and are not attached to having to be an expert. Uh, Greg Goldman talked about that in Business Officer Magazine, is that one of his, his core strengths is that he's willing to say he doesn't know. Now, one of his advantages, I think, that give him that freedom is that he will say, I don't know. He, he comes from initially an academic background. So as he's entered the world of being the business officer, and as he did that more and more, he recognizes there's a lot for him to learn. So I don't know for him is, is an easier thing to say than if you started from the place of thinking about yourself and your identity as a business officer. You're supposed to know you think it. But I'm telling you, that mindset is self-imposed. The thing that we focused on in this experience at Ikubo was helping these board members when they identify a place they want to go and they're going to bring together, let's say, five business officers and maybe some academic folks, they want to do some work with that group, that they are effective facilitators of those of those dialogues, that they lead a conversation, they help lead. I'll get up in front of a group peep and I'm always saying, this one, this is not my session. This is your session. Two, this is not a presentation. This is a conversation. And three, what are you interested in focusing on? If you start one with that mindset and you start with that conversation, you you can transform in any experience. What you got to be willing to give up to do that is in some ways give up your plan. I was I was talking with a leader the other I was talking to a fire so I was on a flight and I was talking to this individual who uh runs uh, a a business who they put fires out in oil fields okay this oh, is sure. company yeah yeah and he was talking about the difference of the importance of having a plan contingency plans and he said something really great. He said, you know, the the primary reason for planning is to make sure we have all the materials that we need. But once we walk into a fire, 
you got to step up. You got to you got to basically deal with things in real time. And your plan is just was just your plan. And I think the same as applies when we plan for a project or initiative. We can do all of our contingency planning. We make sure we have the material we need. And then we got to get in there. And the thing I'm always saying is we got to dance. You dance by saying, all right, you're leading, I'm following. Mm-hmm. Any final words for folks who, who attended? The, any, any wishes that you hope they take away from, from your work with Lynn or uh, in front of the eCubo board? Well, I think for anyone listening to this, for the business officers who, are, who went through that and I think are rejuvenated by, by participating in another annual meeting, it's a reminder that we have so much to learn from each other and to keep coming to keep coming back because what we forget really easily when we get back to work is that change is never going to end, right? And if we're going to be effective, we got to stop thinking about a project as, all right, we're done, let's get back to work. But if we're going to keep improving, we got to think about it as continuous improvement. That's what the power of going to an association conference is, is that when you're in that environment, you're fundamentally taking a breath you're stepping back, you know, you're you're giving up a couple of days of being on the ground at work, but it offers you something you cannot get if you don't step back, is the ability to sort of reflect like you're looking above down at the forest and you can see the whole forest be, versus being stuck in the trees. So all I'd say to anybody who is looking to keep that alive is keep coming back to these conferences and secondly, find ways to participate in a volunteer capacity. Uh, one of the things I learned early on is that when I started volunteering in an organization, I became better at my work. You can't, these, when you talk to board members of Yakubo, I can tell you that they know that they're better at their primary jobs because they have been involved in volunteer leadership at Yakubo. You can't pay somebody enough to get that experience. So those would be my my sort of uh, final takeaways. I love it. You know, it's what's interesting to me. We were talking about uh, you know when we when we do these uh, these reflections episodes. We've been doing them for a number of years now. And what I like so much as you is I hear you reflect is just how our conversation and how the conversation that is hosted at these association conferences has changed over the yeah. the years. You know, we are talking about substantively different and evolving issues. This is not something that we deal with the same stuff every year. Uh, it's a, it, you know, it's great as you say that it makes me realize we're we're trying to develop, I think all of us, a muscle of balancing making sure that our primary work gets done and people get paid and we teach our classes and and people walk away feeling like they got great value, uh, those that we're serving. But we also are developing a muscle in finding ways to step back. And I don't think there's been a time in, in the work I've been doing in higher ed where it's more important that we, that we develop a, a consistent way of making sure we don't step, get too stuck in the in in the actually the trees and we can't see where we are, but on a regular basis we find ways to look. Okay, how can we improve what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And that to me is the message. Even doing these these uh, podcasts with you, Pete, reminds me of the importance of this work because I make it top of mind in our conversation. So every, every so, week, so I got to tell you that. 
the 120 something podcasts, I've, I've been telling people this, these podcasts help all of us, I think, see that there's a bigger story out there and there's a lot of people doing great work and we just need to be reminded of it. I love it. That is as good a message as any to wrap up this week. Uh, thank you so much. Where are you off to now? What's your next, uh, what's your next big event? I'm going this Friday to Valparaiso University in Indiana to give a talk to the board about uh, trends in higher education and um, and ways of thinking about pulling levers that are right for that institution. So it's, I'm really excited. It's going to be a, a fun talk and, and you know, I think a very receptive audience. Uh, Valparaiso is a pretty, pretty campus. That's a good one to... Uh... Is it? Have you been there? Never. You? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of a world traveler. You've been everywhere. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and listening uh, to this very show. Uh, it's a, a treat to have you join us. And, and if you are listening to this on the website, just click the blue button. It says subscribe to podcast. Enter your name and email, and you will make sure to get this in your inbox you, so you won't miss a single episode. Uh, on behalf of the good and kind Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Inc. Mm-hmm.